It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Diz Radio and the Diz Radio Show, and a happy Friday the 13th. Well, it's actually the day before, but we are getting ready for all kinds of things that are going to be freaky. All kinds of things that are going to be Friday the 13th. All kinds of things to celebrate our favorite time of the year here at Diz Radio, Summerween. That's right, all the combinations of everything spooky, creepy, fun, Summerween, Freaky Friday, Friday the 13th. It's all happening here this week. And what better way to kick it off than to have a very special guest stopping in here this week who knows all about being freaky, being crazy, and being a Disney villain with that of Ursula in Little Mermaid on Broadway. We have none other than Heidi Blickenstaff stopping in here at the show. Now, Heidi, you may know as Ursula from The Little Mermaid on Broadway. She was also in Freaky Friday, the musical on Broadway as well. And on top of that, the Disney Channel original movie, the musical adaptation of Freaky Friday as well. And Heidi's going to stop in and talk about a variety of different things. What it's like playing an iconic Disney villain. What it's like getting a little freaky on Broadway and also in a television movie, her favorite songs, her favorite moments, what it's like going from Broadway to movies, and also what it was like having one of her very own pieces go on and on and being performed to this day. In addition, no show would be complete, especially Summerween Fun without the D-Team. And the D-Team is back here this week. That's right, we have Aaron back. You have the questions, he has the answers, and he's going to answer all your questions and I want to know. We have Dominic giving you all those tips, tricks, and more from Disney's Short Leash. We also are going into the handbag, the deep, the dark, the secrets of this week in Disney history, as we have Jeremy going into a little bit of spooky fun to celebrate the Friday the 13th spookiness that we can all expect from classic Disney animation. And let's not forget the inspiration, the wit, the fun, as we have the Disney quote of the week from Frank. And we have all kinds of news hot off the D-Wire, all kinds of fun, and like I said, I am excited to celebrate Summerween, to get it all going, Halloween in summer. Now all of you D-Heads know, Halloween is one of my all-time favorite times of the year. I know all of you love our not-so-scary Halloween celebration. Yes, one of our longest celebrations every October here at Diz Radio. It will be coming again this fall. But to gear up, we can get into the Summerween. And you're wondering, what is Summerween? Don't worry. Everything will be answered if you listen through the show. So there's all kinds of fun, all kinds of things going on. It's a little freaky. It's a little Friday. We're going to celebrate Friday the 13th the only way we know how, with a little bit of Disney spookiness. So let's officially kick off show number 240 for the week of August 12th, 2021. And you might just want to hold on to your head, make sure your heads don't roll, and uh, get ready for a little bit of spooky fun. Happy Summerween, all of you D-heads. Like this fight is 
They celebrate it twice a year. And wouldn't you know it, it's today. Do you always carry that calendar in your pocket? Yes. Summerween? Something about this feels unnatural. There's free candy. To the costume aisle! I'd lend you a hand, but I don't seem to have any. <laughs> <laughs> this guy tells it like it is. Sir, could you please stop pushing that? Ma'am, make these heads less hilarious and you got yourself a deal. <laughs> <laughs> when the children come to my door tonight, they're gonna run away screaming from Stan Pines, Master of Fright. Boo! Uh-oh, I think this one's leaking. Have the police come and eject the Pines family from the store. Not today! My eyes! You paid for the stuff, right? Of course. I hate Summerween. Let's move! Hello, kitties. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And you're listening to Disney On Demand. <laughs> Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. See? Wow! It's Disney On Demand! Dibs! Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. Okay, I'm convinced. And a little disgusted. <laughs> Alright, all of you D-heads, so I am back. I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 240 for the week of August 12, 2021, as we have none other than Heidi Blickenstaff stopping in here at the show. You know her as Ursula from Little Mermaid on Broadway. She's also been part of Freaky Friday on Broadway and, of course, the Disney Channel original movie, the musical adaptation of Freaky Friday as well. We have the D-team stopping in with Jeremy, Aaron, Frank, and Dominic all stopping in with their signature segments and all kinds of fun because we are celebrating Summerween. 
we're gonna get freaky because it's Friday, and it's not just any Friday, it is Friday the 13th, so we have all kinds of fun on the horizon. Now before I jump into that news hot off the D-Wire and jump into this week's show, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at Diz Radio, and first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com, that's D-I-Z Radio. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, you name it. Find us all over the place. Just search Diz Radio, Disney On Demand, or Disney Blue. Use any of those three keywords and you will find us all over the social media networks. And if you can't remember any of those, always just go to our website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. So all of you D-heads, last week we are back. After some time off, COVID lockdowns, many other things as we discussed last week here at the show, we are back in action. And of course, it is my favorite time of year. Time to carve that jack-o'-melon and go trick-or-treating to not get loser candy and watch out for the Halloween trickster because Summerween is upon us. And yes, you are going to be finding out more about what Summerween is all throughout the show if it is new to you. But if you are a true D-head, you know we celebrate Summerween that one special day every single summer. Yes, how can you go wrong without Halloween in summer? And it's not just any Summerween, it's also a Freaky Friday. Friday the 13th week as well. So there's a lot of fun things going on here with Summerween and all the different things happening. So let's jump into the news hot off the D-wire here this week. And I'm going to keep it a little short, you know, just keep the news a little brief. I don't want to just keep rambling on here. But a brand new Disney Channel show that was created by Tastemade Media has now put the baking skills of kids ages 6 to 14 to the ultimate test. And I know my children are going to love this and they're going to want to be part of it. Now hosted by Disney Channel stars Dara Renee, who you know from High School Musical, The Musical, The Series, and also Isaac Ryan Brown from Raven's Home, and Disney's Magic Bake Off is debuting this week on Friday the 13th. Yes, Disney's Magic Bake Off debuts on Friday the 13th. Now, contestants are guided by a Disneyland chef, Gracie Gomez, as they create Disney-themed desserts in the hopes of being named the Disney Baking Champion throughout the 13-episode series. Now, the winning recipe will be featured in a Tastemade video available on Disney Channel and Tastemade's social media platforms. Now, this is in honor of the show's premiere, and there's a lot of different things going on to really get you hyped up for it. And if you're down at Disney Springs this weekend, there's a limited photo opportunity at Disney Springs to take some pictures, really get yourself in the baking mood. It is located next to Disney's Days of Christmas store, one of my favorite places to go when you're in Disney Springs. And the all-new photo wall will feature a huge cake, information about the Magic Bake Off, and so many other things. Now, there are going to be a lot of different elements to this that we're all going to know. Lion King, Sorcerer Mickey, Cinderella's Castle, Star Wars lightsabers, Jiminy the Cricket, uh, I mean, Big City Greens, just so many different things are going to be fun with this brand new series. And what better way? I mean, there's so many different baking series out there for kids, right? And adults, MasterChef, you name it, all these MasterChef Junior, all these fun ones. But now Disney's going to have their own Disney's Magic Bake Off debuting Friday the 13th on Disney Channel. You can also watch it on the Disney Now app as well. And I'm sure soon enough you're going to see it on Disney+. Plus. So get ready and just really get your bake on this weekend. Maybe make some spooky treats for Summerween. 
Now, moving to the box office, how about something that's a little different? We've already had a chance to watch it here in the United States, and that's Disney's Luca. Now, Disney Pixar's coming-of-age sea monster story of Luca has been a great, great film. I loved it. It was great to watch. It was fun. It was goofy. I can't tell you how many times my kids now are pointing out Vespas to me everywhere on the street. But Luca has been granted a China theatrical release date of August 20th, which will make it the first Hollywood studio release in the country in over two and a half months. Yes, in over two and a half months, nothing has been theatrically released in China due to COVID and all these other things. Now, China's film regulators have been uh, pretty much instituting a longer-than-usual blackout on major foreign film releases, it, you know, with many of the celebrations with the summer's 100th anniversary of the founding Chinese Communist Party, as well as the last U.S. film to release in China was Sony's Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway, back in June 11th. Might I add, that was a great film as well. Peter Rabbit 2 was good. Now, with the North American box office still ailing due to the pandemic and, you know, just that's a whole different topic in itself with everybody trying to get back to the theaters and of course Disney's woes with Black Widow and that whole thing going on and Space Jam uh, the new legacy like that's just tanking but Jungle Cruise worth every penny to see in theaters or watch it on Disney Plus but there are a lot of different things that are coming up but this is the first theatrical release especially from a foreign market in over two and a half months and Luca is finally coming to the China market, and I think they're going to be very surprised at how fun, how witty, and how unique this film is. Now, getting back to the small screen here, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to talk too much about Walt Disney World here, because there's a lot of different things going on at Disney World. Are they going to remake Princess and the Frog uh, out of Splash Mountain? What about the After Hours Halloween festivities? All the different things that are going on at the parks. You know what? I will tackle the parks next week. I'm not going to do it this week. But getting back to the small screen, Disney has released three live-action film versions of Descendants in the Descendants franchise. And my kids loved it. My daughter dressed up as Mal one year. And, you know, it was just always fun, right? But now a series of movies that follow the lineage of the Disney villains, if you're not familiar with it, and their children, and uh, pretty much a story of redemption. Well, an animated special following the events of Descendants 3 is premiering on Disney Channel also on Friday the 13th as well. Now, it is titled Descendants the Royal Wedding, and the outing features the living members of the live cast reprising their roles. As we all know, Cameron Boyce, the actor who played Carlos DeVille, you know, Cruella's son, uh, passed away in 2019 from a, an epileptic attack that he, he had a weak heart to begin with, and it's a very sad story, but he will not be able to come back and reprise that role. Now, it was just weeks before Descendants 3 when he passed away, but everyone else out there is back to lend their voices to this all-new animated feature. It is going to be fun. Now, this is going to be... Uh, I don't even know how to put it. It's a different kind of animation, too. It's that really weird uh, 2D live rendering kind of animation but it is going to follow the real wedding them getting together everything happening after the events of descendants 3 and that's debuting on friday the 13th on disney channel 
So all of you D-heads, with that, I am ending news here this week. I'm going to cut you some slack. I'm not going to talk too much about the parks and other things. My goal is to kind of condense news up to a few tidbits, some fun things, and not ramble on for two hours with my thoughts about what's going on within the Disney company. So with that said, you have the questions, he has the answers, and Aaron is going to stop in with I Want to Know. We have the wit, the fun, and the wisdom of Walt Disney from Disney's Quote of the Week with Frank. We're going to go into a little bit of history, since it is Friday the 13th. Who best would have the worst luck? I'm going to leave it at that, but Jeremy's going to be stopping in with This Week in Disney History, and we have Dominic with a little bit of tips and tricks from Disney Short Leash when you're visiting the Walt Disney Parks. And that's all going to be topped off as we have Freaky Friday fun, as we have Heidi Blickenstaff stopping in. You know her as Ursula from Little Mermaid on Broadway, as well as the title mother role in Freaky Friday the Musical on Disney Channel, as well as Freaky Friday on Broadway. So lots of fun, lots of people stopping in, and we're going to have some fun. So all of you D-heads, before I release the reins here to the D-team, I just got to say it is good to be back. I know it's week two. I might be rambling a little bit. We're getting our bearings again after having so much time off, but we're getting back in action. And remember, we want to hear from you. Drop us an email, dizradio at gmail.com, D-I-Z radio at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. What kind of guests do you want to hear? What kind of things you want to hear out of the show? We want to engage with you again after our time off during this last year. So we really want to jump back into it and make the show once again for all of you D-Heads, for your magic, your memories from your lifetime of Disney. So all of you D-Heads, let's continue on with Summerween, our Freaky Friday fun and celebrate Friday the 13th all in the same as we press on for show number 240 for the week of August 12th, 2021. And I'll be back a little bit later with Ursula herself or maybe swapping places with a mother. So, you're never going to believe me. No one in their right mind could ever possibly believe me. But what I'm about to tell you is true. 100% true. Everything started the day before my mom got married. Honey! The day that I had, I'm talking mind-bending. Ellie. Bananas. Ellie. What? Hi, sweetie. This is my mother. I'm in the middle of a story. I know. I'm being supportive. Mom! Fine. I'm going. Just one day, that's all I need. Just a day without her nagging. Just one day, I beg, I plead, but the drag just keeps on dragging. While I wish for just one Monday or a Friday to be free, free to slouch and sulk and mumble and be messy and be me. All I ask is for 12 hours to live my life my way. Just one simple, awesome, crazy, kick-ass day. One more day, she's on my Riding me forever On my faults And all I lack And all I, oh, whatever Cause I'm lazy and I'm average And I'm sloppy for a start And I know she'd like a daughter Who was pretty thin and smart And I know she's freaking perfect But I'll never be that way Not for a single solitary day Tomorrow is the wedding And tonight is Rehearsal and there is no room for error. I mean, not one flaw. We've got guests in just 10 hours. Dress the tables, trim the flowers. I want beauty and perfection. I want total awe. And with Weddings Magazine here for a feature on the scene here, the business is depending on this one success. 
now breathe, but thank you, Tori. And in fact, that is the story. So get moving, move this produce, and remove this mess. Just one day is all I want with my family united. Fears at bay, no fights, no taunts, just the four of us delighted. I mean, look, I love my kids, I love my work, I love my Tonight is the hunt. It's an epic scavenger hunt, and I really want to win. There's just one issue. Just one day, that's all I seek, and I have been asking nicely. Just one day, it's not a week, it's a night to speak precisely. And the hunt is not a stunt, it's my one shot at fame. To be someone who is something, not just what's her name. If I'm in it, I can win it, if she'd only say okay. Seabass isn't fresh, it's three days dead. Mom, I really need to know if I can wait now, where'd she go? God, I'll never draw her focus from the bread. It's a million Mom, little things, just a little thing. What does the same sound I do with sounds that let you out of this And beans. Are those the same clothes you wore yesterday? Yeah. I wish you'd change. I wish you'd change. Ellie and her mom. No. Uh uh. No. Don't always see eye to eye. I hate you. I hate your attitude. But now. (laughs) We've switched bodies? I have witch hands. They're going head to head. There is no way you can handle a day at my school. Hi. Breaking news you look like a realtor. In each other's shoes. Mommy! Hi, nerd face, get in. It's your day to do carpool. Listen! No farts. And seeing the world. My back feels fantastic. From a whole new perspective. What's up? You are being super weird today. Ellie's bright. She's special. I am. She is. We are. Disney Channel presents. Do you have an explanation for this? 
You are grounded for a month. <gasps> Freaky Friday. Being an adult is super unfun. Coming to Disney Channel. In those early days, Walt Disney himself was the voice of Mickey Mouse. Now he's a tycoon at the center of a vast business empire. Mr. Disney, can you still make a noise like Mickey Mouse? Well, yes, uh-huh. But, uh, of course, I don't make many Mickey... Uh, Mickey Mice films. <laughs> can you make that noise for us now? Well, uh, Mickey talks up like this, you know, kind of a falsetto. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another installment of Disney Quote of the Week. You know, through his career, presented many demands on his time. Walt Disney always made sure he had time to devote to his family. Ever the hard worker, it was for the love and inspiration he drew from his family that helped Mr. Disney achieve the financial success that he did. At its heart, the Walt Disney Company was started and ran as a family business. Family was always one of the most important things to Walt, and he thought of his employees as he thought of his very own family. And that's just how we are here at uh, this podcast. Jonathan and the rest of the D-Heads were all just another extension of family. Throughout our time off, we always kept in touch, always lend an ear if somebody needed to talk, or just catch up with each other. We always had the goal of a return in mind. And with that, that brings me to my Disney quote of the week. The important thing is the family. If you can keep the family together... And that's the backbone of our whole business, catering to families. That's what we hope to do. Walt Disney. Well, thank you very much for listening to another quote of the week. I'll be back next week with another installment. But until then, have a magical week. But I also don't see why Friday the 13th would be unlucky. Well, some people think it's a bad luck day. not-so-scary Halloween party has begun. This magic kingdom is now prepared to celebrate my favorite time of year. For those mortals who have not paid their token fee to attend, you may do so at Ghost Relations in City Hall. Otherwise, you'll need to please leave the magic kingdom at this time. 
and remember, beware of hitchhiking ghosts. <laughs> there are definitely some bits of history I could cover right now. 35 years ago, the animated Transformers movie hit theaters. We've also hit the anniversary of the Masters of the Universe film with Dolph Lundgren. You could say, though, over here in Neverland, as we've become the Phantom Nexus, we've branched away from Disney a bit. But I am here for all of you lovely D-heads, and I want to give you the Disney magic that you crave. And John John says this week could be a bit freaky. Should I discuss the anniversary of the Haunted Mansion? Well, perhaps that's a topic that's been done to death. (laughs) Well, it happens to be Friday the 13th, and I know a bad-tempered icon we can discuss. No, we won't be talking about that guy. Do you recall a day where Donald Duck had a lucky day? Donald's Lucky Day was released January 13th, 1939, which, yes, it was indeed a Friday. In this classic short, we see a couple of crooks preparing a time bomb for a delivery. One of them asks, what happens to the messenger if they run late with the package? Gee, suppose it goes off too soon, boss. <laughs> Can we get a new messenger, boys? <laughs> we see our intrepid messenger as none other than our favorite duck, who is having a happy-go-lucky day. After he picks up the package and starts off on his bike, he gets a radio warning. Are you still alive? If so, consider yourself lucky. But beware, until midnight, it is still Friday the 13th. That's a bad sign. Don't break a mirror. Don't let the black cat cross your path. Don't go under any ladder. Donald avoids going under a ladder before crashing through a mirror and into a fruit stand. The package is still ticking, so he goes about his business when he meets a black cat that sees his antics at avoiding the cat crossing his path as a game. We see from here that the cat appears to be friendly with our duck hero, and long story short, the cat saves Donald from the bomb in the end. Donald Duck, of course, voiced by Clarence Nash, with the cat voiced by Perf Pullen, who was known for his bird and animal sounds. The story was written by Carl Barks, Jack Hanna, and Harry Reeves with direction from Jack King. Walt Disney is credited as the producer. The animation is credited to Paul Allen, Johnny Cannon, and Jim Carmichael. A review from the Motion Picture Herald called this short one of Donald's best appearances, noting that Donald is, quote, less quarrelsome and a deal more understandable than commonly. This was one that I remembered this cartoon from, remember DTV, where they would make music videos? And I remember they, for a Halloween special, they used clips of this cartoon with the song Very Superstitious by Stevie Wonder. And they played the clip of him getting the radio warning from the newscaster that today is Friday the 13th. And then we get... Okay, I'm not going to sing that. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry I even tried to sing it. I shouldn't do that. But yeah, so I remembered this cartoon. It's like, wait a minute, didn't Donald Luck have some sort of unlucky Friday the 13th day? And of all things, it's called Donald's Lucky Day. Because in the end, Donald comes out pretty lucky, and he makes a new friend, really. I don't think we ever see this black cat again. And although this isn't a full black cat, uh, he's kind of what you would got, get, I guess, socks. 
when they have the white paws and he has kind of a white muzzle. So he's not a pure black cat. Uh, but I will go on record now to say uh, black cats actually kind of get a bad rap because of stupidity and superstition. And there's a lot of people who don't want to adopt a black cat and they will mistreat black cats. And I want to go on record as saying, hey, that's wrong. Black cats are just as lovable as any other cat, maybe even more so in some ways. I would actually like one, but I have two cats right now. And adding a third cat to the family would just drive the other two crazy. So black cats are adorable. I would really actually like to have one. And don't let anybody mistreat a cat because they're black and because some people are going to they're unlucky or, or witches cats or something it's completely untrue black cats are lovely little kitties and as donald duck learned in this one that black cat was not unlucky that black cat just happened to save his life now moving on though of course as i mentioned before i of course am the spider pan jeremy and i'm still dwelling out here in neverland at neverlandpodcast.com we have changed over the past year now we are known as the fandom nexus which of course just look on any on apple or google or wherever you will find Neverland, the Fandom Nexus, or even searching for the Fandom Nexus. You can come and find us. Of course, you can also find us on YouTube. I even started a YouTube channel where I'm playing games, the official Neverland gaming channel. Come and check it out if you like to play some games and want to watch me play a few. I haven't got a chance to update it in a while, but I still have a lot of different videos up there that if you like gaming, you'll have some fun and enjoy. So that's it for me or your Disney history for this week. And, of course, I'll check you next time here. And so now we're going to pass it back to John John, which is what I'm going to call him now because, come on. I mean, Jonathan Johnson, he's, he's totally John John because we just love him, don't we? Now gather round while I lose a date on what goes on when it gets late. Along about midnight, the ghosts and banshees get together for a jamboree. There's ghosts with horns and saucer eyes. Some have fangs about this size. Some short and fat, some tall and thin. And some don't even bother to wear their skin. I'm telling you, brother, it's a fearful sight just to see what goes on in the night. When the spooks have a midnight jamboree, they break it up with a fiendish glee. Ghosts are bad, but the one that's cursed is the headless horseman. He's the worst. When he goes jogging across the land, holding his noggin right in his hand, demons take one look and groan. Then they hit the road for parts unknown. Well, there's no raid like a spook that's burned. The ghost don't like a man, he's really burned. He swears to the longest day he's dead. Well, I'll show them that I can get ahead. Do, do, wow, 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 wow. So close all the windows. Lock all the doors. Unless you're careful why he'll get yours. Don't think he'll hesitate a bit, cause you clip your top if it will fit. He likes some little, he likes some big. Put him in the middle or wear a wig. Black or white or even red. The headless horseman needs a head. With a hip, hip, hip and a clippity-clop. Why, he's out looking for a head to chop. So don't stop to figure out a plan. Cause you can't reason with a headless man. With a hip, hip, hop and a clippity-clop. Look out! We know what we're talking about, believe me. 
You better watch your cues But take a look at the people Who ignored the old good book Change your ways You'll find it pays Cause you can't be a haint If you ain't kind of crazed I guess you'd say Take our word We know what we're talking about You know this is a pretty spooky thing We're doing here You don't mind if I turn on another light Do you? Hmm? Stressed envelope to Davis and Kurt. Write down that. Hear it. Trick or treat. Dude, really? You're a little old for this, man. Sorry. But wait, I. Why'd you close the door? I told you, Mabel. I'm just not feeling it tonight. <laughs> I think a little trick or treating will make you feel better. I'm not trick or treating. Man, just go to another house. Dipper, where's your summerween hospitality? I'm not getting that. Well, I am. I apologize for my brother. He came down with the case of the grumpy grumps. Silence! You have insulted me. And for this, you must pay with your lives. Oh, what a cute little mask. You're a funny guy, aren't you? Funny, am I? Twink or tweet. My name is Gorney. Uh, remember me! Ah! Gorney! There's only one way for you to avoid his fate. I need a treat. If you can collect 500 pieces of candy and bring it to me before the last jack-o'-melon goes out, I will let you live. You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know. Hey, D-Heads, this is Aaron, and it's time to get back into the virtual mailbag with I Want to Know. Well, I need to knock some dust off the old mailbag, but it's full of questions from you D-Heads. It's great to be back, and what's a better day for my return than Friday the 13th? We love spooky here at Diz Radio. And you guys know how much I love Gravity Falls. And of course, my favorite episode is Summerween. So let me reach into the mailbag and see what questions we have for this week. Well, our first question is from Alexandria Kofer from Indiana, and she asks, Diz Radio, and I want to know. I hope this finds its way to your inbox. In Disney's history of Disney Channel original movies, I remember one where it took place in a movie theater and it had a Phantom of the Opera feel to it. I can't remember this movie more than vague memories from my childhood. I was like six. So maybe you can help me remember more so I can find it and watch it again. Cheers and Kungaloosh. Well, the movie you're remembering is called Phantom of the Megaplex. It's a Disney Channel original movie and it was released on November 10th, 2000. With the title and concept loosely based on the 1910 novel, The Phantom of the Opera, the film concerns strange happenings at a monstrous megaplex on the night of a major movie premiere, Midnight Mayhem. The central character is Pete Riley, the 17-year-old assistant manager of the theater. He has to cope with malfunctioning equipment, disappearing staff, and a broken popcorn machine, among other headaches. He investigates to see if the trolls are a coincidence or the result of sabotage by a mysterious phantom. 
At the same time, he's trying to juggle his younger siblings and his girlfriend and her best friend. It's a classic Disney Channel movie. It's always in my Disney Halloween watch list, and it's available to watch on Disney+. Plus. Well, our next question comes from Candy Dawson, and she asks, Aaron, love Diz Radio and the whole show. Discovered you during the early stages of COVID lockdown and been listening to the last 10 years of shows. I have a question for you about Gravity Falls, since I'm guessing you're a fan from your intro theme. In the Summerween episode, the kids dress up and go trick-or-treating. I think I saw somewhere it was also a read-along record, but instead of saving it, I figured I would come back to it later and now can't find it. Was there a read-along for Summerween? or some kind of audiobook for it. I would love to listen to a good old-fashioned read-along, and Gravity Falls edition would make it better. Absolutely love the show, and can't wait to hear more. Well, thanks, Kennedy, and thanks for becoming a D-head. We love our listeners. And you're right, I love Gravity Falls. I still wish they would bring it back. I think it's time for some more adventures with Dipper and Mabel. So, you are correct about the read-along ebook called... Gravity Falls, Happy Summerween. I love the description, so here it is. Read along with Disney. It's a Summerween in Gravity Falls, and the Summerween trickster has paid Dipper and Mabel a visit. They have to collect 500 pieces of candy before the last jack-o'-melon goes out, or else. Can Dipper and Mabel collect enough candy to save their souls, or will they run out of time and become the trickster's treat? Follow along with word-for-word narration as Dipper and Mabel trick-or-treat for their lives. How great is that description? It's a 24-page book released on July 22nd, 2014, and the age range says 6 to 8, but age is only a number and we D-heads are all young at heart. It's available on books.disney.com with various places to buy it, or you can listen and read along for free on YouTube. Our final question this week is from Benedict Setter of Missouri, and he asks, Love the new Cruella and watching it for the third time. My brain got to thinking, was the song in the movie a new version of the Cruella song? Or were there lyrics not used but written for the animated original or even the 90s live action ones? Thanks for any insight. Well, you're referring to the song Call Me Cruella. It's an original song performed by Florence and the Machine, and it appears in the end credits of the film. The Cruella soundtrack has some great music on it. I mean, come on, it's got Stone Cold Crazy by Queen, and One Way or Another by Blondie, just to name a few. I highly recommend streaming it on Amazon. And I admit, I still haven't seen the film, but the awesome thing is Disney is giving me a birthday present this year. Because on my birthday on August 27th, Cruella is coming to Disney Plus for all to see. I love Disney, but let's get real. I'm not paying $30 to watch it early, but I'm excited to watch it. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Send all your questions and comments to the virtual mailbag at erin at dizradio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads... Laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads, and get out there, buy a watermelon, carve a jack-o'-melon, 
and get you some loser candy. But remember, keep an eye out for the Semroween trickster. Something's fishy at the Cotton Hills Megaplex. We must find out who was causing this chaos and make it stop. Is it Pete? Is it Karen? Is it a living person? <laughs> at all. Phantom of the Megaplex strikes again! Tonight. You need me to help you solve this. Disney Channel asks, who done it? Maybe you two guys have seen way too many movies. Phantom of the Megaplex, a Disney Channel original movie. I want him found. Phantom of the Megaplex, tonight at 8, 7 central on Disney Channel. Do it like the zombies do. Brush your fangs when you wake up. Comb your hair, do your makeup. Sleep at night, don't stay up. Do it like the zombies do. Don't stand out when you're fitting in. When in doubt, do the opposite. Don't listen to him. He's a hypocrite. Like the zombies do All you got to do is give an inch Then we gon' take it to the top Do it like the zombies do When the moon is full, no howling uh, Don't run in the halls, no growling Let's go to the mall, start styling Do it like the zombies do Trim your claws, get a manicure Cut your bangs, leave it on the floor Now wag your tail like a Labrador Do it like the zombies do No one gets hurt Do it like the zombies do I hope you're open to my advice Oh, it's invaluable to us, right? Oh, it sounds like this could be a paradise Do it like the zombies do Why should we change? They should be like us Yeah, yeah he may eat brains But he's got no guts No He's gone insane Yeah, he's acting nuts Come on, we've got moves to bust all you got to do is give an inch, then we gon' take it to the top. Do it like the zombies do, don't stop. Do it like the zombies do. Hi, I'm Larry Bagby, or Ernie, I mean Ice, and I'm here with Jay, I mean Tobias, Jelenic. And you're listening to what? <laughs> you're listening to Disney on Disney. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now, uh, uh, I don't know what the hell that was. You hang up, Jonathan. Just hang up. <laughs> Hi, I'm L-A-R-R-Y. <laughs> Who let the dogs out? everyone, this is Dominic, and welcome to another edition of Disney's Short Leash. If you're new to the segment, a short leash is a series of tips for people to get their most out of their Walt Disney World vacation when they are short on time or short on money, and with any luck, you may be able to try some of these suggestions and quite possibly do as much, if not more, than someone vacationing with a greater amount of time or a larger budget. Last week, I went to the dark side and explained the COVID derailment of my biannual work trip that every two years takes me to each park at Walt Disney World for a day, as well as a one-day side quest at the parks that shall not be named. I did this work trip every two years, and after decades of one-and-dones, I got many of the strategies I share here to do the most I can with a finite amount of time and not a lot of pocket money. I was three days away from that trip when the world shut down, 
I tried to get back a little bit of what I lost on Labor Day 2020 at Universal, and after 10 trips of one-day Universal hit-and-runs, I knew that was probably the best possible plan for my time and dollar in a one-day COVID pandemic situation. So that was a last week recap. When is the next Disney trip I plan to take with my family? Fall 2022. What? That's so far away, and the last time we were in the Disney parks was summer 2019. Not to mention Homeboy got himself promoted, so the work trips are a thing of the past. I'm not going to go back for that long. Let me explain why. Buckle up. Here we go. I'm going to give you the top five reasons why I think fall 2022 is going to be the best time for my family to take their next Disney World trip. Number one, nothing really new has opened since the last time we were there, except for Galaxy's Edge, but I'm not digging the rope drop boarding party lotto for Rise of the Resistance. I don't buy a park ticket for a, well, maybe you might get on the ride you want. If I wanted to gamble $500, I go to Vegas. However, in 2022, there may be an express pass payment option. The bloom might be on off the rose a little bit, and the larger lines attractions and the queues could be shorter, and there might be other new and shiny things that will be impossible to get on. Tron might be open then. The railroad might be back in full effect. Ratatouille's imminent. Guardians, and for that matter, most of Epcot, might be renovated by then. My uncle said he'd visit Texas again when God finishes it, and I feel the same way about Disney World right now. Let me give them a little time they need to work their magic. Number two, COVID. COVID blew up their experiences, shutting things down and altering others. Maybe by fall 2022, I won't have to walk around the parks dressed as a ninja cosplayer. No offense to any Diz ninjas out there, Jonathan. Also, by then, hopefully everything that was built on hiatus, like large-scale shows and phantasmic or small-scale performances like the Grand Floridian Orchestra will make their comeback. Number three, the fall. I've been to the parks more times than I can count, and that means something when you live a thousand miles away from Florida. But I've never been there in the fall. Of course, the best bang for our buck would be to see the changeover from Halloween to Christmas, but a theme park rethemed is special on top of special. It's hat on a hat in a good way. Number four, the 50th anniversary will probably still be rolling. I remember the 25th anniversary Cake Castle, and I'm no hater on that. I dug that. Is better than the last time when they did all the gold and the chuchi animals and they did that kind of pimp my castle thing. It's like Gucci got a hold of it, not the good way. All it was missing was like a Supreme sticker. Cake Castle was fine. It wasn't like when they dropped that stupid hat in front of the Chinese theater and left it there for a decade and a half. It served its purpose and it was gone. I'm okay with that. But seeing the 50th, fall decorations, time of right, and you might see it change over to Christmas. That's like the trifecta of ambiance. Beat that with a stick. Come on, at the present time when we're talking about what you're not gonna see, a triple threat bang for your buck is just what the vacation dollar ordered. Number five is obvious, it's Disney. Go now, go later, you're gonna have a great time. It's still the best way to spend your vacation dollar. And we'll be talking more about that in the weeks to come. I hope you've enjoyed the tips. I do have an official Diz Radio email, so I'd love to hear from you with a hi, some questions, suggestions, or even your own short leash tips at dominic at disradio.com. That's D-O-M-E-N-I-C at disradio.com. I can also be found on the internet on Twitter at WDWPlanTunes and on YouTube or your favorite podcast apps by searching WDWPlanTunes or by visiting Plantoons.com. If you are a professional wrestling fan from the 90s, check out Saturday Morning Superstars. My friend Fan and I do a recap podcast on syndicated pro wrestling from the early 90s. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Mom, your life is a cakewalk.
I got this. I got this. I can see what to do for me to be you. I got this. I'll bake stuff. I can fake like I make stuff like you. I'll have a laugh, have my coffee, have calf, and then yell at the staff on your behalf. I got this. Yeah, I got this. Put a stick up my butt, be quick to say, what? Like a snob and fool that mom I got this like it's my job Good, you can see what it means to have a job I'll go to school I got this, yeah I got this Do my hair with some care, I'll primp and prepare I got this, I'm delighted It's not right, you're excited for school Scoff if you may, it's a part I can play Master Adam, and my word is law tonight. Tonight's the night. We got this. We got this. We got this. We got this. And we're ready to roll. Not quite in control. We got this. like him, do I? No. You love him! Oh God, it's Savannah! I got this, I got this. I'm the queen of the hunt, you're green, you're a grunt. I got this. You'll lose, girl, if you choose to refuse, girl, to see. You shouldn't begin with the way you can't win, cause I'm smarter than sin, I'm rich and I'm thin. Savannah! 
I got this. I got this. Ellie Blake, where are you supposed to be right now? I don't know. <laughs> Lights, camera, action! It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest! Alright all you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Diz Radio and the Diz Radio Show. And as we continue to bring you the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, whether that's movies, TV, Broadway, you name it, we always have fun people here stopping at the show for you. And this week we have somebody that is no exception to the rule. You know her from a variety of different things on Broadway with title of show. She also had a chance to portray Ursula in A Little Mermaid. You know her from Free Freaky Friday, the 2018 musical adaptation as well. We have none other than Heidi Blickenstaff here. Welcome to Diz Radio. Aw, thank you so much. It's so nice to be here. It is our pleasure having you on. I mean, your resume, it always impresses, especially because I'm, I'm a Broadway junkie. I love Broadway. And then, of course... I really love musicals as well. So, you know, for me, a musical adaptation of Freaky Friday, to me, was just great. But I guess backtracking, what led you down this crazy road of uh, musicals, Broadway, and saying, I'm going to do theater for a living? Yeah, um, I'm like you, Jonathan. I'm like a total uh, junkie for musicals, and that's how I first kind of uh, knew that I wanted this kind of a life. Um, I started singing when I was very, very young, and my mom would tell you that I was harmonizing to Barbara Streisand records when I was two, and she very quickly put me in front of a lot of those old MGM uh, movie musicals that we all love so much, Singing in the Rain, Oklahoma, you know, you name it. I memorized it and couldn't get enough. And then she took me to go see a live musical uh, when I was about Six, I think uh, it was. I know it was Oklahoma, and um, I there was a little girl in the cast, and I couldn't believe that what I had been watching uh, on videotapes was actually something that happened live. And so the second I knew that uh, that was something that human beings do live, I was like, I want to do that too. And then I saw that there was a little girl in the cast. And about a year later, I would join that company as well. And um, uh, I'm from Fresno, California, and there was this great, still is, a really great uh, theater in Fresno called Good Company Players, where I got my start along with some other super talented people, including Audra McDonald, who was I carpooled with for years and years and years, and she's still a friend. And um and I ended up going to a performing arts high school in Fresno, and then I got my degree in drama from Duke University, and then I immediately moved to New York City and started auditioning. And, um, uh, you know, was lucky enough to book work pretty quick. Um, I, I was in the ensemble of The Who's Tommy and, and um, did a bunch of national tours, and all the while still very much always being a Disney junkie. I think both of my passions as a kid were um, Broadway musicals and Disney movies. And um, so you can imagine when uh, there was an audition coming up for Disney's Little Mermaid, I jumped at the chance and uh, was lucky enough to initially be hired as Sherry Renee Scott's standby. Sherry brilliantly played Ursula. And then uh, when Sherry left, I took over. Um, and that was, you know, just like the, the job of a lifetime. And not only was it so fun, but it, it taught me how to, um, 
you know, like it was the very first time I had done a big fat lead on Broadway. And, and once, once you've played Ursula, you can't help but take her bravery and strength with you. Every other, every other role I play, there's a little bit of Ursula in there, but, um, I, I feel incredibly fortunate to be, um, you know, living my dreams as corny as that sounds, but I know a lot of people have this dream and, um, somehow, um, I got, I got, uh, magic wanded and I get to live mine. So it's a, it certainly is, I feel like a very lucky girl. Well, you know, and it's like you said, it's one of those where you grow up, you have all these aspirations and things that you want to tackle. And then, you know, you're culminating, you're becoming Ursula, you're, you're doing Disney stuff. And, you know, a lot of times people are like, okay, Disney, Disney, but when you get a chance to actually be part of something that you grew up loving and watching, it has to be amazing. Oh, for sure. And, and surreal even, um, you know, to, to be inside of an original Broadway musical is kind of, um, I don't know, unbelievable enough. It's what every musical theater performer who makes their way to New York, it's the, you know, it's the dream to be a part of an original Broadway cast. And, um, and then to also, uh, have it be a, a, a Disney joint, <laughs> which is sort of an embarrassment <laughs> of riches. Um, and then, you know, the great thing about Disney on Broadway, uh, that family that I've been lucky enough to be among, um, they, they really do, um, keep you working. You know, I think, uh, they're extremely loyal and, um, I was lucky enough to maintain uh, so many of my relationships, and um, that led to me doing one of the very first workshops of Freaky Friday, the musical, years before it was ever on its feet as the theatrical version. Um, but, you know, it's because of those long-standing roots uh, in my relationship with Disney on Broadway that you know, they would they would constantly call me for, can you do this? Do you want to do a, a concert? You want to do a D23? You want to sing at Epcot? Like, all of these <laughs> things. You want to do your show on the cruise ships? And the answer was always, I mean, they couldn't even finish their sentence, and I had said yes. So to be a part of the Disney on Broadway family um, uh, has, has allowed me access to different arms of the overall Disney family. And um, now to also be a part of Disney Channel is um, I, a dream I didn't even know about, you know. And now that that's a part of my resume, you know, I I can't wait to get back there someday. I hope I work for them again. Well, you know, and, and like you said, it's one of those where if they're keeping you working and doing things, I guess when you had a chance to, to be on Broadway and doing that, you know, all the little girls, of course, are going to be like, oh, Ariel. All right. Now we got to admit how many little girls though really did want to meet Ursula. I know, I know there was probably a handful who just were dying to meet Ursula. Uh, of course. I, I think, you know, I, I, I always joked that I knew I was doing my job right when I would come out for my first entrance and I would hear children start to cry. <laughs> because it's just like, you know, she's so iconic and everybody knows her uh, from the animated movie and the great Pat Carroll, you know, very hard to live up to, let alone Sherry Renee Scott. Um, but, uh, you know, it was quite a, quite a scary entrance <laughs> for Disney standards. And I knew kids were like, oh gosh, here she comes, here she comes. And of course, you know, whenever I would uh, do the stage door after the show, there were lots of lots of people, you know, I would have little ones who were always a little trepidatious, 
you know, to be to be meeting Ursula, but when they saw that I was out of the makeup, they knew it was all just all just a story. But, you know, it, who doesn't love her? I mean, I think of people often ask me, like, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite Disney character? And it is like hands down long before I played her. She was always my favorite because she's just so deliciously evil, but she's also funny and gluttonous and, you know, she's selfish and just overall just like such a such a handful of a character i mean as an actor getting to play her it's it's an embarrassment like everything that you you just like throw the kitchen sink and you got her i mean she's you get to do so much as ursula so um you know i think for me as an actor it was one of the most joyful um challenging uh, you know, uh, certainly like uh, just like a gymnasium of things to 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 do as an actor. Um, and I learned so much. And like I said, I take her with me everywhere I go. Well, you know, and like you said, it's one of those experiences and you've done so many different things where it's uh, all over, not just Disney, you know, you've been part of a lot of different elements, you know, Elf the Musical, you had your own show. Now, how I guess, the, you know, title of show. Uh, great reviews. Um, I know a lot of people have personally had a chance to actually, you know, meet you after the show and seeing you, you know, do that show. I guess, how did that come about where you're like, I'm going to do this? And, you know, how gratifying was it knowing it was getting so well received? Yeah, title of show was certainly like the greatest surprise of my career. And it happened, I think it's like, the Broadway show happened, I want to say it's 11 years now, pushing 12. And it came about because my friends and I um, were basically, we were out of work actors and we were tired of being unemployed. And we decided to write something that made us laugh. And um, mostly just to pass the time. And as we were writing it, someone who knew we were writing this musical that was, you know, semi-autobiographical, we all played ourselves. And it was about these four friends who have dreams of being on Broadway and dreaming. we're all dreaming of, you know, various ways success is defined. And um, someone knew we were writing it and they they knew that there was a musical theater festival um, that uh, the deadline for submissions was in three weeks and they gave us three weeks to put something in an envelope and we gave ourselves that challenge. And we really didn't think that anything was necessarily going to become of it because at the time it was so unusual. It was very meta. Like I said, we were all playing ourselves. It was, it, it seemed like, um, I don't know, it seemed very specific to us. We weren't sure that it would appeal to a broader audience. And, um, you know, it shocked us when we were accepted by the New York Musical Theater Festival and we got a run. And, and the New York Times, you know, there were many, many, many musicals in that festival. I want to say like 40 or 50. And the New York Times did a spotlight on their favorites and we were one of them. And... um and from there, uh, a, a commercial producer optioned us and sent us away to write it and write it and write it. And we kept writing it. We did the show basically for free for about four years. And um, eventually we got an off-Broadway run. All the while, you know, every time the show would um, play in a new venue and time would pass, we would add that 
to the show because it was an autobiographical fairy tale, essentially, <laughs> about these four friends who were trying to get to Broadway. And with every incarnation, we kept getting closer and closer and closer. And by God, we made it all the way to Broadway. And, um, and now that show is done literally all over the world. And I'll, I'll be at a stage door for something rotten or for Adam's family or whatever show I'm in at the time. And I'll have these people come up to me saying, I was in the production of title of show in Mexico City. I did a production at my college. I did it in high school. I did it in Korea, literally. And, um, now title of show, because it is so inexpensive to produce, it's just, Four actors, a music director on stage who only plays a keyboard. That's the only instrument. And um, there's really no set. And um, it's just very uh, character-driven and story-driven. And um, luckily, it was critically very well-received. Um, commercially, not so much. We didn't last that long because when you're a Broadway musical, I think a lot of tourists are expecting helicopters to land on stage or sea witches to show up and um, <laughs> um and title of show was just us and uh we lasted i think i want to say like 150 performances which we were so proud that we even made it that far and um you know to this day it remains one of my um i'm just so grateful to have had that experience that it still resonates in the world and those people are all still my dearest friends we spend holidays together we you know we see each other very very often we're very very woven into each other's lives and i think we'll be forever so to make art with your best friends is um you know i know i know that doesn't happen every day and we're we're always grateful for for that show that we got to make together definitely you know and it's it's one of those things where i can tell just you telling the story it's one of those where you know, you really feel it's just near and dear and, you know, close to your heart. Now, I guess when it comes to, you know, of course, aside from Broadway musicals into regular musicals and Freaky Friday, um, you know, I myself, you know, growing up, I've watched every incarnation of Freaky Friday there is. You know, you had, uh, you had the Jodie Foster version, you had the Lindsay Lohan, you had the um, Shelley Long version in 1995. And then, of course, there's your adaptation, completely different, full-on musical. Um, how did you get involved with that production? And, you know, it is such a fun film and such a departure, but also resonates with today's society so much that I think it really works. Yeah, thank you. I do, too. I, you know, I I have to say when it first came my way, I was like, oh, fun. You know, I, I really didn't, um, I didn't... I, I think I underestimated it. I didn't think that it would have the emotional wallop that it does. Um, I think that because there seems to be a Freaky Friday for every generation, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure I gave it, um, I really just thought it was kind of going to be a trifle and I couldn't have been more wrong, um, you know, with our creative team. Uh, it couldn't have been anything but magnificent. You've got um, Tom Kitt and Brian Yorkie who won a who won a Pulitzer for Next to Normal, and Bridget Carpenter, who you know you if you don't know her name, you've certainly seen her work. She writes for she's a playwright, but she also 
is an executive producer and a showrunner for lots of television shows that you love, including Friday Night Lights and Parenthood and um, many, many others. And um, those people are all so good at what they do, they couldn't help um, make a Freaky Friday for this generation that dealt with the issues that I think this generation really, really um, – that this generation is faced with and they weren't afraid to talk about a parent dying about um you know people losing a connection because of grief you know and these i don't think that those things had been really explored um in the freaky fridays that preceded us and mary rogers who wrote the the amazing books that i read when i was a little kid um, she, before she passed away, she gave her blessing to the project and was really excited, um, that it was going to be turned into a musical. And I was lucky enough to meet her in that workshop I did a bajillion years ago. Um, but when we started production on it, um, for the theatrical version, uh, sadly, Mary was gone, but it was left in such great hands with Bridget and Tom and Brian and Christopher Ashley, who directed it. And um, it truly, along with Emma Hunton, who played my daughter, um, it was it was like no other job I've had. And like I said, I think I underestimated what it what it was going to do to me as a as an actor, as a person. And um, it, the music is so beautiful. The story is so delicate and lovely and sad. And you know, it goes to places that. I was on, I was not expecting. And, um, and so as we were building it, uh, you know, I think whenever you have a team like that, the intention is always to, uh, build that show as a Broadway musical. Um, but we were kind of, um, working on it all over the country. We did a little mini tour of it. Um, we started out at, uh, signature theater in DC and then went to La Jolla and then went to Cleveland Playhouse and then the Alley Theater finally in Houston. And all along the way, we were changing it and just, uh, refining it. But also along the way, Disney Channel came to see it when we were in California and they decided that they wanted to turn it into a movie. And, um, it was immediately upon that news that I think every single one of us in the cast thought, well, that was fun building it for TV people that are going to take our jobs. <laughs> I think that none of us expected <laughs> to, to keep our jobs. And because it's just very rare, it's, it's incredibly unusual for the theatrical originators to also then do the, the movie musical version. Um, you know, just, you know, you, you can cite everything that's happened in the last year. There aren't too many of the theatrical originators. I'm thrilled Ben Platt is, is playing the role he's so brilliantly built in Dear Evan Hansen. But he, I believe he's the only one from the original company that's in that, in that movie. But it is incredibly original and I had the same fate where it was very bittersweet that uh, Disney Channel, <laughs> after a lot of being absolutely positive it wasn't going to be me, um, it they did end up asking me to do it, and um, I was incredibly shocked, but it was bittersweet because I was the only one, and, um, um, but, it, you know, my cast, my theatrical family, 
blessed me and couldn't have been more um, generous in that in that transfer and um, and I got to have this very unique experience for a theater actor to then you know be thrown in with a brand new cast and brand new sweet daughter and rebuild it for Disney Channel and um, it was a totally completely different animal absolutely with the same beating heart um, because Tom and Brian and Bridget were still a part of it um, but you know when you when you um, change a, 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 a theater version of something and make it into a movie version especially when, when the demographic is so specific for a Disney Channel audience of course there were so many changes and it truly was thrilling to figure out how to take that role that I had originated for the theater and um, translate it into the Disney Channel ver- version. And I had lots of people helping me because I had never made a movie before. And I certainly had never starred in a movie before. And so I, I had a lot to learn very quickly. And I was surrounded by a lot of patient, hilarious, smart people who were willing to hold my hand and um, give me a lot of confidence to, uh, you know, redo my part for that medium. It was amazing. You know, it was so well received. You know, people are going and see. You're getting the live reactions from the audience, which is always great. You get to see the expressions on their faces instantly, too. Now you're on set. You're trying to figure it all out. And then is it going to work? Are people going to watch it? Um, you know, but aside aside from all that, how fun was it to do a musical number in a movie setting where you're not limited to just a stage? Like, you know, you have this full, fully cut music video style when you finally saw it in production. All I can tell you is that I can't wait to do it again. <laughs> I mean, for, <laughs> for me coming from the theater, you know... I know a lot of people uh, say this, but, you know, people who work on Broadway, it's no joke. It's it's like you run a marathon every show. You know, we have to be a particular kind of thoroughbred to be able to do that to our voices and our bodies eight shows a week. And, um, you know, it's what I've always known. It's what I've always done since I was seven. It's it's my passion and my love and my home for sure. Um, but to be able to do um, the movie version, it took me a second to, to realize that I didn't, you know, we were singing with, sorry, spoiler alert. Uh, we were singing with tracks, you know, we were, we recorded the, the, the soundtrack in a studio and, um, you know, when we would film it, it was, it was played back over very large, awesome speakers. And then we would sing with the speakers, but you don't have to blow your voice out because you're not doing it for 2000 people in a Broadway house. You're doing it, you know, just to capture it on film and in a very particular way. You know, our brilliant director, who I don't know what I would do without Steve Carr. I mean, he so got me, and and I think at first he was a little scared of me because I come from the theater, and he was like, oh, my gosh, you're going to chew the setup, and, you know, I think he thought I was going to be, and I probably was, like, too big. I was acting for the back row, and when you're filming a mo- movie, there is no back row. Like, the, 
your the the camera is your back row, so to speak. And so you don't have to land a joke for, you know, 1,500 people and get it all the way to the back row of the balcony. You just have to make it translate for the camera. And he was so patient with me, and we had a system of him, like, you know, telling me when to essentially, like, turn down my performance. And then there were moments when he was like, turn it up. I want all of that, like, theater improvisational wackiness. I want all of that. And there's a lot of improv in in the movie, which, you know, I, I can't believe he um, he let me do that. You know that was that was that that I was confident enough and relaxed enough in my first role for him to say just try some stuff and um, and a lot of that actually ended up in the movie. But singing along with the track was so bizarre because you know Broadway's full out and no joke. And you definitely don't have to do that when you are um, essentially lip syncing with yourself. And I would always sing with. I would always sing with myself. And the night before I knew we were recording, like whatever number, I would listen to myself over and over. I would listen to the track to memorize exactly what I did so that when I sang live with myself, I, you know, the muscles in my face would look like they looked when I recorded it on the day um in the in the studio so you know i was trying to be an a plus student but the truth is you just don't have to work that hard you know when when you're filming that scene you don't have to like it, it's it's a different set of skills because in in many ways you have to work harder but um you are not singing live the performance is not begun and over in two and a half hours you have an editor to pull the best take from from your day and um it's it's just a totally it's a totally different skill set and like I said um, I loved it I I was a, I, a lot of theater actors I know um, have mixed feelings about about doing both and I cannot wait to do it again I hope that that opportunity presents itself again we can do Freaky Friday too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that would be a change of pace having a sequel to it. But uh, when it comes to the music, like you said, you know, being able to sing along, whatnot, of course. But what is your absolute favorite track from the entire musical? Oh, that's so hard. I um, <laughs> I know it's it's hard. I, I do love um, – there's a song that Tom and Brian wrote called After All of This and Everything, which um, – was a huge um, standout kind of, I don't know if you'd call it an 11 o'clock number, but for my character, um, it hap- it's kind of the last big song she sings. And it's actually sort of a lullaby. I don't know if you could ever call a lullaby an 11 o'clock number, but it's a beautiful, beautiful song. And in the theatrical version, it's just like, I don't know, it's, a, it's one of my most favorite things that Tom has ever written and that I have had the pleasure of singing. And... Um, it was always such an intimate moment between me and the audience. Um, um, and Disney Channel loved that song. And as you can imagine, when when you are taking a, a theatrical version and translating it to a 90-minute movie musical Disney Channel version, lots of lots of songs are going to get cut, and even some are added just to like make the story. Uh, just a perfect fit for that Disney Channel audience. And after all of this and everything was definitely a song that they wanted to keep. 
and we recorded it. We re-recorded it in um, a studio in Vancouver, and um, and the version is on the um, soundtrack. Um, and they were planning on doing it, and at the last second, um, they felt like it wasn't advancing the story in a way that um, – that would make sense for a Disney Channel audience. So it is on the soundtrack, but it did not make the movie. And um, uh, it's, it's, you know, just one of the things that happens when you are remaking, you know, taking something that was theatrical and making it a movie. Um, And I was, I was sad about that, but I also totally got it. And the end product of the Disney Channel movie is so beautiful. And, um, and and it's, the song is still on the soundtrack, so you can hear it um, if you if you end up listening to the soundtrack. When it comes to you know you know like you said, many things get cut, items like that. Now, when you're on the set, and of course, I'm sh- I'm sure this is true for theater, of course. But working on Freaky Friday, the one thing that I noticed watching that film is it seems like everybody really meshed. It seemed like very genuine smiles. Was it like a family off camera? Yeah, I, you know every. I've never had uh, another experience to compare it to, so please enjoy that that fact. But I um, I know that we all, certainly the family, and even the dancers, I loved those dancers so much. I started out as a dancer, and so my heart always, you know, I would, I would like, stay after my rehearsal was over to watch the dancers rehearse because I'm just, I'm, I'm so in love with dancers, and they were the nicest people. Um, but the family unit in particular, um, Jason and Alex Desaire and certainly my sweet Cozy, um, we, we, uh, started pre-production before, of course, we started filming and we all became in- very trusting and loving and took care of each other a lot on set. Alex and I are still friends and Cozy, of course, uh, we're friends too. And, um, it, I think it was, Mostly because Steve Carr, our our intrepid director, set this pace of it being very um, a very fun, uh, genuinely like silly, uh, very like creative um, set, and so lots of times there were ideas added at the last second, and that takes you know, whether you're doing something on Broadway or doing a movie, that takes a lot of trust and a lot of, you know, and Cozy and I did laugh all the time. Um, you know, she she would get the giggles quite often. And I think because I come from the theater, I don't know what it is. Like, I definitely have developed um, over time, like, uh, the ability to not break. I, I am pretty like stone cold. Like I, you can do the funniest thing in the world and I'll hold it together. I mean, when you've been on stage <laughs> with Christian Borrell and Brooke Dajmanskis and, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to be on stage with some like of the most incredible, uh, theatrical comedians that I can think of. And so I've, you know, <laughs> when you're on Broadway, you really have to develop a, a, a thick skin to not break. And, um, <laughs> Sweet Cozy um, constantly would get the giggles, and Steve would would um, often empower me to be improvisational. And um, sometimes he would tell Cozy that that was happening, and sometimes he wouldn't. And I am a big 
you know, dorkwad. Like, I'll try anything. And I think, again, that comes from my <laughs> experience in the theater that, you know, when you're building a show, you try everything to see what sticks. And when you're doing a movie, you it's a much more condensed period of time. And so I would, you know, throw all kinds of things at her. And because I was playing the kid and she was playing the mother – you know, I think I had more freedom to be a little bit more of a spazwad. And so, um, you know, I, Co- Cozy would often break. And I'm sure I, I, there is a blooper reel that exists. And I'm like, if, if there could be an entire bloop, blooper reel of just Cozy breaking. And, you know, takes one take after the next of me just like, you know, I, it, it didn't take much. She, you could blow her over with a feather. She's... She's a she's a giggle puss, and that was very infectious, you know. And for that reason, yes, the set was a very very happy place to work. Now, I don't want to keep you too long, you know. Of course, everyone's always busy, things like that. Now, I guess the couple like the last two things I really want to tackle is, of course, growing up with every generation's version of Freaky Friday. So, of course, you've watched them. Did you go back and rewatch any of the originals getting into this, or you're like, I'm just going to go off the book and the musical that we're doing right now, and that was it. Yeah, I, I I did not go back and watch them. I know that they are beloved for every generation that watches them. And the only thing that I went back to a little bit were the books. Um, and just to kind of be reminded of Mary's intention and the feel of it. Um, and also because I knew that Bridget and... Tom and Brian were really coming at the musical from from that feeling, from that vibe. And so that was that was where I wanted and I didn't spend too much time there because of exactly what you said, like we were building something new and my job was to um you know, bring <laughs> these two characters to life. You know, Catherine is a lot like me um, and is wound really tight. And, um, you know, she's got a million plates spinning and she's trying to keep it all together. And she's very type A and organized. And um, I am very, very much like that. And I, I have two uh, teenage sons. Now one of them is 20. Um, but I, I know what it's like to be juggling family and, um, work and pressures and money and career and all of that stuff. Um, and so Catherine, Catherine kind of came easy. Um, but Ellie, on the other hand, did not. And so my focus really was on, um, making sure, um, I did my best to bring Ellie to life through Emma Hunton and then through Cozy Zulsdorf in a way that um, was believable and also delicious because, you know, for all of Ellie's spazziness is my word for her because she is a lovable spaz. Um, um, she's she's um, just the most excellent human being. And there are so many, like, hints in the script and I wanted to imbue her with like, she is going to be the most excellent woman and um, she's already on her way. Um, and I always felt like Ellie was always right. 
you know, Catherine was uh, assumed she was right because she was the adult, but Ellie is the one that I think ends up kind of teaching Catherine um, more of a humanities lesson than the other way around. And um, we, Emma and Cozy and I, um, we worked really hard to not only um, get each other's mannerisms, but also to um, have the same beating heart when we traded characters. And um, I'm very, you know, I'm very proud of the work that we did. And again, you, you hear Freaky Friday and you're like, oh, that's, that's hilarious. That's physical comedy. That's like, you know, wacky, wacky, fun times. And it is. But then there's also this deep, deep, um, ache and this beautiful relationship between mother and daughter that comes back to life. And, um, we really, we really wanted to get that right. And, um, I'm so proud to have to have been able to do it with two magnificent actresses. And um, I'm just so happy it lives on. Definitely. You know, and it is a beloved film. Everybody loves it on Disney+. Plus. I enjoy watching it. You know, I'm a father of four kids with two teenagers, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I couldn't even imagine switching places with them for a day. <laughs> But, but you know, in, in today's society, I think that that adaptation of Freaky Friday is really good. It really pulls a lot of elements from the book, you know, having uh, the family dog and that reoccur, which we haven't seen since the Jodie Foster version on film and items like that are really good. Um, you know, but I guess in closing, so many things you've done from Broadway to films now and everything, I guess, is there any words you'd like to leave out there for anybody who you've inspired or films have really made a difference and, um, you know, people whose lives you really touched, you know, like for me, you know, us sitting down as a family watching this new version of Freaky Friday, eating popcorn together, you know, it, it sets a tone in a moment that we've invited you into our homes as well. Is there anything you want to leave out there for our, all those listeners? Oh, that's, that's so nice. That, that honestly is so lovely to hear. And I know that um, through this crazy time that we've all been living through that um, one of the silver linings is that for those of us who are lucky enough to have a family and a, a, a warm and safe home, we've been able to share these moments with each other. And, you know, my, my stepson is a senior, he's almost done a senior in high school. And we've, even though it's been really hard for him to spend his, senior year, um, you know, not not in the way he certainly thought it was going to go, but um, we've had these stolen moments with him, and um, sitting down and watching movies as a family is, is uh, so meaningful, so I am very uh, grateful that that is, that is a takeaway for you and hopefully for others, but if I had to say anything for... Um, for people that are listening, um, and, and especially for, uh, like, uh, young people who may be trying to find their way, and there are so many pressures and so many, um, I don't know, th this world can be difficult to navigate for a million different reasons, and when you're young, it's particularly hard, and, and I have, um, so, I, I also, uh, I coach young actors, and, um, I do master classes for, for theater students all the time. And the thing that I always want to say to them, not just theater students, not just young people, but anybody who this may help is that you are absolutely perfect, exactly how you are. And there's not one other person you need to be that you have all the tools 
that you need to be an amazing version of yourself. And, um, you know, so many, so many kids that I coach are trying to be, um, either something that they're not, they feel like they're not good enough, uh, for a million different reasons. And, um, and every, every single human being is, is perfect exactly the way they are. They are completely enough. And their job is to try to figure out to be the best version of themselves. And that takes time too, but that you have everything you need. And, um, you know, no one else is going to be perfect at being you you are going to be that person. And if you can hone that, you know, that's sort of the secret to life, right? Um, so I try to, I try to give kids confidence that, that they are absolutely enough exactly how they are. Very good words of wisdom to everybody listening in and all the listeners. People's lives you touch. Well, it was our pleasure having you stop in, Heidi, chat with us, take this trip down memory lane into the present. I'm sure there's a, a many, many things on the burner, but, you know, of course, uh, you know, those are can't disclose too much information. We've been in that situation before, but I'm sure we're going to be seeing you very soon, whether it's on stage, on film, you name it. So thank you once again for stopping in, chatting with us, and of course, being part of everybody's lives through theater, stage, and of course... Everybody can watch on Disney uh, Disney Plus, the Freaky Friday musical adaptation as well. So thanks once again. Thank you, Jonathan. This was a total pleasure. And stay tuned. There's some good stuff coming up. I admit that in the past I've been a nasty. They weren't kidding when they called me, well, a witch. But you'll find that nowadays I've mended all my ways, repented, seen the light, and made a switch. True! And I fortunately know a little magic It's a talent that I always have possessed And here lately, please don't laugh I use it on behalf of the miserable, lonely, and depressed Pathetic, poor, unfortunate souls In pain, in need This one longing to be thinner That one wants to get the girl And do I help them? Well, yes, indeed. Those poor unfortunate souls, so sad, so true. They come flocking to my cauldron, crying spells, Ursula, please. And I help them. Yes, I do. Now it's happened once or twice. Someone couldn't pay the price. And I'm afraid I had to rake them across the goals. Yes, I've had the odd complaint. But on the whole, I've been a saint To those poor, unfortunate souls The men up there don't like a lot of blabber They think a girl who gossips is a bore <laughs> Yes, on land it's much preferred For ladies not to say a word And after all, dear, what is idle prattle for? Come on! They're not all that impressed with conversation True gentlemen avoid it when they can but they dote and swoon and fawn on a lady who's withdrawn. It's she who holds her tongue who gets her man. Come on, you poor unfortunate soul. Go ahead, make your choice. I'm a very busy woman and I haven't got all day. It won't cost much, just your voice. You poor unfortunate soul. It's sad, but true. 
If you wanna cross a bridge, my sweet, you gotta pay the toll. Take a gulp and take a breath and go ahead and sign the scroll. Flotsam, jetsam, now I've got her, boys. The boss is on her You poor, Hey, this is Emily Swallow from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to Diz Radio. I can't believe it. It's Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. You hear that? It's the winds of change. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. It was a lot of fun. Celebrating Summerween, Freaky Friday, Friday the 13th, and so much more. And I want to extend a very special thank you once again to none other than Heidi Blickenstaff for stopping in, chatting with all of us here at the show, having all kinds of fun, going down memory lane, and so much more. And as she put it, there's a lot more things on the horizon. I'd also like to thank the D-team of Aaron, Dominic, Jeremy, and Frank, all stopping in here this week with their signature segments. Without them stopping in, it'd be nothing more than me rambling week in and week out. And of course, you, the D-heads. You are the reason we are back once again. You're the reason we've been going on for over a decade here at Diz Radio. And you're the reason that pretty much brought us back to have this fun here this And you're pretty much the reason that we are back again here this week with all the fun and all the magic from your lifetime of Disney. So thank you, the D-Heads. Now next week, we have all kinds of fun stopping in, more special guests, more of the D-Team, and all kinds of craziness as we are jumping into the tail end of summer. Yes, the end of summer is upon us. And we're getting that much closer to my favorite time of year, fall, and of course... Come on, we've already celebrated Summerween. Yes, our not-so-scary Halloween celebration. So all kinds of fun. I am excited for it, ready to jump into action, and all kinds of fun. Now, before we close out the show here, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. You can also connect with us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, you name it. Just search Diz Radio, Disney On Demand, or Disney Blue. It is that easy. Find us on all the social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. We are there. Find us out there at Diz Radio, Disney On Demand, or Disney Blue. And if you can't remember any of that, just go to DizRadio.com and find all those links there as well. Now, next week, all of you D-heads, we have a very special guest stopping in. Someone who's, let's just say it's a good way to end summer. It's a good way to end it. You just think those tiki drinks. You think the tropical fun. You think all the fun things in the sun and the sand and all the greatness. I'm going to leave it at that. So as I close out the show here this week, make sure you don't get a little too freaky here this weekend. Beware because it is Friday the 13th. And also, get ready to celebrate your very own Summerween celebration. Go out, carve those jack-o'-melons, and so much more. And of course, my favorite, you always have to look over your shoulder. So, all of you D-heads, like I always say, never neglect family for business. Take time, slow down. You can always make money. You only have a handful of days to make those memories. Make them count and cherish every single one. 
make the memories happen. So until next week, all of you D-heads, have a magical weekend. And because it is Summerween and Friday the 13th, by the pricking of my thumb, something wicked this way comes. And so, we had to hide because, well, who'd believe us? I believe you. You do? But we're not grown-ups. That's why I believe you. Seems they destroy people by granting their dearest wishes, as has been the way of the devil since God created the world. By the pricking of my thumb, something wicked this way comes. Then rang the bells, both loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong will fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. It's a thousand years to Christmas, Mr. Howard. Wrong. It's here, in this library, tonight, and can't be spoiled. Did Will and Jim bring it with them on the soles of their shoes? Where do you come from? The dust. Where will you go to? Time is soon fall, everyone calls something wicked, this way comes. Tearing up the brewing
Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.